Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. How to teach and manage sales people. Today we are going to discuss its very important topic. I know from my audience, they are looking for ways how to increase sales, how to cooperate with sales people to get more results. And I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Connie Kadansky. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, a big pleasure to get you on my show to learn from you. I check out your profile on LinkedIn. I know you're super active to share value. Before we start, just tell more about yourself, experience, background, and why you decided to share with us about this important topic. I am wired for sales. My first sales job was five years old. And just it just is so much fun. And I believe in it. And I believe that salespeople are really cool people with big hearts. They just need to have an incredible focus and update what they're doing because a lot of people are stuck in outdated techniques that just do not work anymore. So I'll start with the definition of selling. All selling is, is solving people's problem for a profit. And so for salespeople to really be able to answer that question, what problem am I solving? Yeah, nice, nice. Uh, and you mentioned uh, about obsolete techniques. I think it's a common issue in marketing when uh, we are going to learn something new, but uh, we have a lot of obsolete techniques, methods that don't work anymore. Can you tell how to uh, recognize them? For example, it's obsolete, it still works, uh, it's a new technique. So any insights or tips how to recognize modern techniques, effective techniques? Well, obsolete techniques just don't work anymore. And the way you know, I, the way I distinguish marketing from sales is Marketing is lead generation, incoming lead generation. And boy, we want that. That's what you're doing is helping people have those incoming conversations, that SEO, which is very important. And selling is converting that lead into a sale. And so I think to recognize an obsolete marketing technique is how do you respond to it? Does it really work anymore? And if you're responding, well, that tells you maybe it's working. And if you just bypass it and kind of ignore it, it doesn't work anymore. And so that's when it comes to marketing and with selling is for salespeople to really recognize what is their close ratio? And so many salespeople are getting a counterfeit yes. A mm -hmm. counterfeit yes is where the prospect tells you yes, and then they disappear. They will not respond to your call. They don't follow up. You are using a counterfeit technique. You're using an obsolete technique because you're getting counterfeit yeses. Mm -hmm. Yes, nice. Okay, uh, Konya, I have the question about cooperation 
between marketers and sales. I check out a few studies that sales people distrust marketers. Uh, we have many uh, things. Uh, probably, probably, uh, I can assume that uh, uh, marketing takes time. You know, uh, some strategies take like months, even years to get results. Uh, but salespeople need to sell today. So, any insights or tips how to uh, warm cooperation between marketers and salespeople? Well, I think that marketers it need to listen to salespeople because salespeople can give feedback. And sometimes marketers are just dead set on something that they believe to be true. However, they definitely need to get feedback from salespeople. And I think that they both need to see that they're on the same team. And so when they have conflict, it's not a conflict. It's the situation is the adversary. The situation, it's not the other division and the other team. We need to let go of that resentment and anger and also have conversations on what kind of culture, what kind of environment do we want to create where we thrive and our mission thrives and our company thrives is to really think about how do you do that? And then also to have a really intense conversation on what are we going to do when we disagree? What are we going to do? And to be able to have rules of engagement around disagreement and what both sides are responsible for. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, I want to read a quote from your bio section on LinkedIn. Uh, salespeople are only as strong as their weakest reluctance. Can you explain what does it mean? You know, uh, so, uh, you know, uh, I think uh, salespeople have different uh, strong sides. You know, it depends on people, some introverts, some extroverts, but they need to consider. But uh, explain your quote. <laughs> So salespeople are only as strong as their weakest reluctance, meaning where they are emotionally weak or mm -hmm. there is a gap in their sales process. So some salespeople, they tell me, oh, once I'm in front of a prospect, my closure ratio is 60, 70 percent. Well, that's where their strong part is. However, when you look at a basic sales model, in any industry, there are five components of a basic sales model. So number one, we have to identify the prospect. Number two, initiate contact. So in some way, we need to ethically and professionally initiate contact with the prospect. Then we have to introduce ourselves, the problem we solve, Number four, to have that all coveted discovery meeting. And that's where a lot of salespeople are blowing it. They worked hard to get that meeting and they are blowing it because they're using outdated techniques. And then we influence the prospect. We influence the prospect to allow us to partner with them, invite us to partner with them. So it's the same thing with the quote is, we never rise to, on an occasion when 
through pressure. If we're pressurized, we will fall to our highest level of preparation. So I kind of transpose that a little bit here. But another thing is salespeople are not preparing well enough for everything they're doing. They're just taking off trial and error, stumbling along the way. So it's very rare to find a salesperson that is truly committed to mastering their, their, their world. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Got it. Uh, let's talk about, uh, personalization you know uh, for example uh, 10 years ago i set up google ads campaigns without any experience uh, i didn't consider buying persona many uh, important aspects that i do today because uh, competition was low i paid like five ten cent per click uh, with uh, we sold products today i can't do the same because uh, the price uh, per click costs five ten dollars you know 100 times more so uh, it's important to know my customers and i found many companies uh, use generic methods to learn customers uh, uh, by taking uh, the average data from online studies tools uh, and uh, can you tell how to learn customers because uh, if i use just generic data uh, or um, uh, analyzing my competitors i can see uh, what competitors use uh, because competitors usually use their strong sides their unique selling proposition but i need to consider my strong side and my unique selling proposition any insights how to unite or create by persona with your unique selling proposition so repeat what your question is for me uh how how to learn customers and unite with unique selling proposition yes well we have to know who our customer is right and everybody's not our customer generalization does not work anymore it is mm -hmm. customization and so when we know who our absolute customer is, who our client is, then we can create that marketing message. And so a generalist, I mean, you know, you look in the medical field, a plastic surgeon, you never, you don't find a generalist. They're, they're experts in particular areas and they're referring to the expert in a particular area because we can, there's so much information. And so goes back to interviewing and listening and learning about our ideal prospect. Our ideal prospect is out there and we just need to manage the visibility with that ideal prospect, but it comes down to us knowing what is the problem I'm solving and who mm -hmm. has this problem and who is willing to invest because there are people that absolutely, but they aren't willing or do they not have the money to invest in correcting that problem? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Um, you know, once I watched, uh, presentation about a new apple watch with tim cook and uh he didn't sell uh, apple watch but uh he sold solutions how apple watch can decide my problems after that 
I, I bought three pairs for me, for my son, for my wife, uh, because, uh, you know, I got this feeling. I need to have this Apple watch. Uh, I want to, uh, uh, I don't want to have such problems that uh, Apple watch can decide for me. But, you know, I compared uh, other solutions that we have online, uh, Google watch, uh, many other smart watches, and Apple watch is not cheap. It's expensive product uh, but i'm willing to change my heart and money with this expensive product compared to others uh, uh, probably because of emotion not logic so can you tell how to provoke this emotion and uh, uh, to give a strong reason to change heart and money with uh, expensive products well so people sell how they buy mm -hmm. and so what i am understanding is that you bought because of the what it would solve and it was more expensive however it had the credibility that you were looking for and so recognizing that everybody buys differently. Now, there are people that will research up and down and inside and out and never make a decision. And then there are other people that they just intuitively know this is the solution for me. This is the company for me. And yes, we absolutely, we buy emotionally and justify logically. And so when you think about it, it's what does the customer trust? Do they trust and do they have an, a, a, they just believe in this. And, you know, some people believe that the most expensive product is the best. Now I have a tendency to think that way. However, mm -hmm. I just, we just bought a new Subaru and uh, I, I, I talked to my neighbor who's a car broker. He said, I've never found anybody disappointed in a Subaru. Guess what? Mm -hmm. That is all it took for us to buy a Subaru. I talked to somebody credible that gave me that information. Mm -hmm. Yeah, nice. You know, uh, I get every single day plus 100 emails with something that I don't need at all. Uh, guest posting, uh, link building services, many other stuff, uh, business development. Uh, and I found most of these templates are not related with my uh, preferences, uh, my behavior, my interest, because it's like spam messages. And I usually uh, lead all these messages to my spam inbox, the best place where they can spend time, you know. But um, uh, I found uh, if I get personalized message, uh, it can help, you know, to, to get, uh, to catch my attention, you know, to provide a reason. Okay. I need to check out. Probably it can help me. So can you tell more about personalization, how to personalize your message? Because most customers are impatient. They're not willing to uh, waste their time with uh, uh, impersonal experience with something they don't need at all. For example, um, I got the message a few days ago uh, from someone who told me, I know you are good with fashion. You know, me, uh, this t-shirt costs $5. Uh, 
not more <laughs> no but uh, i can uh, spend a few thousand dollars to buy a, a macbook or uh, any uh, related to my niche uh, where i can uh, love this experience so uh, can you tell how to personalize message and learn customers before sending any uh, offers well how to personalize it i think is your business and i is search engine optimization and so search engine optimization is going to personalize exactly what is the problem that i am solving and that when we do personalize it we absolutely are so confident and clear on the problem that we solve for people that's a personalized message and then i also think we can personalize it through using linkedin now emails i'm like you i get many emails every day that are not you know they're trying to be personal but they're not and i just delete them um, because it just it's not it's impersonal and we're getting bombarded and there's a lot of different um artificial intelligence etc so it's our responsibility to personalize on our websites and personalize have case studies have testimonials have a video that just really zeroes in on exactly the problem that we solve so that our prospect can feel they lean in they go oh i want to know more this person this company can help me be more successful mm -hmm. yeah yeah i think it's a big issue but uh, almost all uh, recipients uh, learn in some way how to handle all this spam that we usually get every single day a lot of spam and connie i have the question about how you uh, can you tell your methods to teach sales people uh, because you know uh, i found um, that uh, many people don't understand uh, when you uh, give a lot of information so much information uh, and uh, uh, according to a few studies 40 percent of all knowledge can be transferred to someone else so uh, can you tell how to simplify experience of learning uh, for example if uh, a company wants to uh, update skills to their sales people to get better results can you tell your methods how you can do it yes and so i always start out with an assessment to find out exactly what are the strengths of the individual and what are their biggest gaps in learning and so that gives them direction and me direction. And also what is missing in the sales training area is it's just information, information and nobody's implementing. Coaching begins where training ends. And so for people to really take on training, they need coaching afterward and also role play and many people don't like to role play however it is proven neuroscientifically proven when we recognize and vocalize recognize and vocalize we are actually rewiring the brain and so i will not work with a company unless they allow coaching after the training 
And then I have role play and practice groups where people who are practicing in a zero stake environment, there's no high stakes. They practice with their colleagues so that when they're out in the real world, they are more confident and more prepared. A lot of sales trainers come in, do a one day program and out the door they go. And there's zero, zero return on investment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, interesting. You know, uh, uh, you mentioned four or five times the word practice. I love this word. You know, I love this word more than uh, learning. Uh, and I see when students over learn. For example, uh, if uh, I read 100 books, how to play soccer, I can't beat Cristiano Ronaldo or Lionel Messi because uh, these players prefer to practice their skills, uh, to hit a ball a thousand times than to read a few books how to play soccer. So can you tell how to find the balance between learning and practice? Uh, and I like that you highlighted this word many times because uh, I think over learning only hurts experience uh, uh, because when you uh, do nothing after learning uh, it doesn't bring anything you know uh, people can forget about new skills for a few days i can forget for a few hours just give me new skills i can forget uh, fast but if i make notes if i share with my audience if i practice so i i can uh, memorize them any insights about practice how to find the balance between learning and practice well there are people who over plan and they over but all they're doing is it in their head they're not practicing with their colleagues because if they're practicing, they are implementing and they will go out there and do that. I mean, I've worked with the salespeople that have 50 prospecting scripts and none is ever good enough. The thing is, they've never articulated it. They've never tried it. They've never said it. They've never done it. So the people who over plan are usually in their head they lack spontaneity and they're not implementing. So thank you for bringing that up. And that's where coaching comes in because I will not allow somebody to, and it sounds like I'm a controller here, but <laughs> anybody that comes with me, they have to, they have to action. If they're not taking action, there's something deeper there. There's a fear. They're considering a threat. They have to practice it in a zero stakes environment. And I promise you, they start doing that. They start implementing it in their high stakes conversations. Mm -hmm. Can you list common mistakes that people do by practicing new sales skills? For example, you know, I, I do a lot of mistakes in my life. I made many mistakes. I keep doing them, but I can learn from my mistakes and I remember Elon Musk one once said if you don't do mistakes uh, that means you are not innovative enough so uh, it's I think mistakes are the part of the process now to learn something so can you list mistakes that salespeople still do and how to find a much better way 
Well, salespeople's mistake is going for the yes. They crave the yes. They want the yes. They need to detach from the yes and use psychology and come at the conversation as a collaboration with their prospect. And it's a mindset, so the underlying mindset. And that's the biggest mistake that I believe people are making. And even when a salesperson gets a yes, a commitment, a yes is nothing without a how. We need to know how to proceed. And so to be over to those mistakes, I talk to people and they go, I've been in sales for 20 years. And do you have 20 years of experience or do you have one year 20 times? And a lot of people have one year 20 times and they keep going in circles and circles and circles and jump from job to job to job. And it's really time for them to address what is it that they are doing that is ineffective? What are the habits and behaviors that are tripping them up? And so they have to get really, really miserable, become aware of that in order to invest on overcoming it and learning differently. It truly is rewiring the brain. Mm -hmm. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Guys, you need to follow Connie on LinkedIn. <laughs> you need to uh, learn from her because you see uh, it's valuable, so valuable. Okay, I have the question about, uh, let's imagine, you started from scratch. You have no experience in sales completely from scratch. Uh, what will you do today to learn more about uh, selling? Well, number one, if you're just starting from scratch, I think that there are a couple books that you need to read. So one of the books is 12 week year. Every 12 mm -hmm. weeks is a brand new year. Salespeople right now, they're all, oh, it's February. We've got until December. No, every 12 weeks, you set a new goal. And so 12 weeks out, you back into it. So bring that down. And then also the book, Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss, a former FBI hostage negotiator. He teaches techniques to earn trust and also to get people to tell you the truth and using neuroscientific techniques. If salespeople, 100 salespeople will read that book, 95 of them will go, oh, that was good. Put it aside. Never do it again. Four will dabble in the principles and one will master the game. Master the game of selling. And that book is a critical part for a beginner. Mm -hmm. Nice, nice. Yeah, awesome. Guys, I'll list these books uh, in the description to this podcast. So you can take them uh, to read them because I personally love reading books more than any other format. Uh, I think books are foundation of any skills. And uh, the best books uh, were written many years ago. It's not like modern books. Uh, I love uh books from uh, Josh Ugerman. He wrote his books uh, 40 years ago. Seth, uh, Seth Godin is good 
yeah about uh, marketing and yeah he combines with sales so yeah i love this format uh Kony, i have the question about the future can you predict the future in sales environment because many things are coming uh techs are coming fast we have ai you mentioned about ai uh uh, probably metaverse will come to the place so uh, how sales people can adapt today to the future environment well the world is driven by sales and so it that's just the way it goes and we're always selling if anybody has a want or a need is it sales and so number one is just get okay with it you know there are people that they think they identify with the negativity of sales. Well, God bless you. There's negativity in everything. Identify with the positive. And I actually believe that sales is the most exciting career to be in because it forces us when we're aware to grow up it forces us to be more positively intelligent, emotionally intelligent, and the it's it's unlimited. I mean, salespeople, like I say, I think that AI is coming. Well, learn about it, but most importantly, keep growing yourself and developing and experimenting and getting out there because it is it it's not going away. And even the companies that are spending millions and millions of dollars to get there, to get incoming traffic, they need to, they need to train their inside sales team. Because I believe that the inside sales team, they also need to upgrade their, their skills. And so the future is bright. The future is optimistic for those people who are living into their potential and investing in their coaching and training. Mm -hmm. And what do you think about AI? Can AI replace salespeople uh, in close future? In some areas, I believe it can, uh, for sure. I absolutely think that. However, you know, to be able to, uh, you just have to stay ahead of the game. And it's not... It's and if people use AI, it can be a tool in their toolbox and get really smart about it. I mean, I use chat. The chat bot wrote four blogs for me and two LinkedIn posts. Right. So we can do that. But it's still an individual that they that most people have to deal with. Now, there are some transactions that take place that it can eliminate the salesperson. However, when we're in a career like you and me, we need to stay on top of it, continue to believe and know that we are ethically, professionally solving a problem. Yeah, nice. Love it. Love it. I think uh, that was simple to ignore AI yesterday hard today, impossible tomorrow <laughs> and AI can't replace experts. AI can replace mediocre specialists, uh, writers who just rewrite content, who don't try to uh, bring something new. But uh, for experts, AI only help them in, uh, to save their time, to uh, create the right message. So it's more 
helper than uh, I don't know, a replacement. <laughs> yeah, Kony, it's a big pleasure to get on my show, to learn from you. Tell our audience uh, the best way how to learn more about you, how to follow you. Yes. So LinkedIn is a good way to connect. And I'm happy to have a conversation with anybody. I'm on the advisory chair for the Global Chamber of Commerce here in headquartered in Phoenix. So I talk to people from all over the globe. So LinkedIn and then also my website, exceptionalsales.com. And you can opt in to a complimentary report that really zeroes in on overcoming that prospecting reluctance. And then you'll end up on my email list. And I'm happy to have a conversation. I mean, I jump on Zoom. I'm an early riser. And today I was talking to two people out of India at seven o'clock Arizona time. And it was six o'clock in india so i invite conversation um and i love to learn from people and i love sharing resources and being of value so i thank you so much for the privilege of being on your podcast and i am hope that we can continue the conversation Okay, guys, uh, it's a big pleasure that you uh, watching us, listening us, Konya. It's a big pleasure to learn from you. Uh, uh, thanks for uh, accepting this invitation to share all this valuable insights with our audience. I'm pretty sure it's very valuable, including me, uh, helpful for many others who will watch or listen to this episode. And guys, thank you, thanks again for watching and listening us. Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.